Welcome back to Two Homers and a Realist. This is a special edition where it's meet a homer or a realist. And today, we're all together sitting out under the pergola, grapevine above us. We're constructing the studio, so you may hear some construction in the background. They got a lot of people working on it. They got four full crews. But today, we're gonna take some time to meet Connor. So Connor, the first question is, are you a homer or are you a realist? Well, if you're a, an avid listener to the pod, I, I would hope you know this by now. Um, but if not, uh, I do identify as a homer for sure. So uh, a, founding member, a, a founding member of the podcast, um, I represent the homer side of, of what we do here. So what is your OU origin story and history in brief? And we'll get some detailed questions in a second, but just give us your brief overview. Yeah, so I, I was thinking about this today. Um, I think I was pretty lucky. So I think most kids follow what their dads traditionally follow from sports teams. My dad was uh, raised an Oklahoma State fan. Uh, went to OSU. Um, I escaped that that hold, thankfully. Sometimes um, it skips a generation. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. So uh, I think I could truly say born and bred uh, a Sooner fan. Um, really kind of first part of my life, I think my first Sooner memory, if I, if I can chalk it up is I, I remember very briefly the 2000 national championship not enough where it was you know a satisfying moment I was six then so uh, you not knew it was great but yeah, you didn't know. I knew it was a good thing but I didn't know the the implications of it so um, but yeah I think you know been going to games for the majority of my life um, and excited for a hopefully a uh, lively future of, of OU football so Tell us a little bit about your longest current streak, uh, or your longest streaks, your current streak of home games attended, um, if you've ever had a meaningful streak of time in, in your past of attending games, home and away, et cetera. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm disappointed in my home. So my home streak currently is, is 45 games, and that goes back to... That's pretty substantial. Yeah, it goes back, but the only disappointing part is, is for whatever reason in 2015, um, I missed the, the Texas Tech game. So Baker's reintroduction to Texas Tech when they came back in town uh, when he started in 2015. So that was the last game I missed. Um, but 45 straight home games, I think I've missed one Texas game out of the past, uh, what would that be now, 14 years. So um, 13 of 14 OU Texas games, that, that's dating back to my first Texas game. So um, nothing substantial like we might hear later on in this series. but. Uh, 45 straight home games is, is probably my most notable streak to date. So what was your first home game, away game, OU Texas game, bowl game? First, first home game was the Oklahoma against UCLA 2003 game. Antonio Perkins runs back three punts. Uh, I sat in, record. yep, yep. I sat in the, nor sorry, the southeast corner, um, scorching hot with my dad and uh, my, grand, uh, my granddad, who's also an Oklahoma State fan. But uh, even then, I think something like Antonio Perkins running back three punts put a smile on, on an Oklahoma State fan's uh, face. So that was my first home game. First away game was not as pleasant. Um, it was the first time OU had lost to Baylor in 25 years when, or something like that, when Robert Griffin III, uh, Robert Griffin III walked off the game with a touchdown. Um, I've never sprinted out of a stadium like I did that day with my dad. So uh, that'd be the first away game. 
first OU Texas game was with none other than Steve himself, uh, his dad, uh, Ronnie. Um, that was 2009 when Sam Bradford got re-injured and uh, mm. the very, very poorly officiated, in my opinion, OU Texas game. Uh, one that Landry Jones probably could have won if, if it wasn't for a couple calls that didn't go our way. So we were, uh, we were in it till the end in that one. And then last one there, uh, bowl game. I think it's my only bowl game. Uh, also went with Steve and, and the gang there. That would have been the uh, 2019-20 Peach Bowl when OU got rolled by uh, by LSU. So it was a tough introduction to bowl games, but playoff game nonetheless. It was a great experience. Atlanta was awesome. Uh, that was one of my favorite stadiums fun. that I've been to, even though it was indoor. Um, great experience all around. Except for? Except for the massive loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say something about your history a little bit. So your, your mother is a a lifelong rabbit OU fan. Yep. So rabbit is a great way to put it. Yeah. So that that's interesting to to note that difference and and that she married outside of the family, if you will. Um, <laughs> so she, my aunt, I was going to games with her. Um, she started going to games. Your dad was around. They were at least dating and then early married, and so he went to a lot of OU games. I would say he definitely has always identified as a. O Oklahoma fan. He yeah. likes OU and OSU. He roots for both teams, that yeah. kind of a guy. And he, I've been to, I don't know, tens of games with him, yeah. home and OU Texas uh, games. And, and he definitely is a true fan that cheers for OU. He just cheers for OSU when the two play, and yeah. he, he, he sides with OSU. And I, I'd be curious to ask him now if it still trends that way. Yeah. Just how much he's around OU, how much he's around yeah. myself, my sister, us as yeah. a group. Um, I'd be interested to see what his answer is, or hear what his answer is uh, in that Bedlam game. Who he'd actually root for now? Yeah, what? what maybe we've maybe we really pulls. Maybe on we've him. done a conversion on him. So and I, I know. know your granddad, who's passed away. He definitely was always a, an OSU oh, fan. Man, I don't think he cared for side of the much family, at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah your uncle strong, <laughs> uncle, strong yep. with the uh, the the dark side of the force <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, but that's no, it's it's a it's a rich. I, I think a lot of my history is chalked up to to our grand our our, uh -huh. our grandpa. Um, less, I think, you know, I wasn't around him. I don't have very, any memories of him really, but I think, uh, my mom being as strong willed as she is and being a daddy's girl, yeah. uh, with, with less definitely has played a big role in me being the fan that I am today. He was a strong lifelong OU fan yep. and, and definitely that'll be part of my origin story when we get to it. So what has been your favorite OU season so far? Reserving the right for a future season to take over. Right, this one's tough. I, we all remember. I mean, as a, a recency bias is in my head a lot with 2017. That's such a great season with Baker and, and just that team holistically. I really, really enjoyed the 2008 season, though. I mean, I think that's when my fandom really took off as well, and I, I latched on to that team who, outside of that Texas game was just a world beater of a team with Bradford and that offense. And you would have been, what, 14-ish around then? Uh, yeah, yeah, So that makes, that makes sense. That's your, your prime years yeah. of so, I mean, coming into it. We'll get into it later in the, in the questions, but, I mean, one of the biggest games that sticks out and a big reason I love that season so much is that Texas Tech game and just what that meant. So That was an electric game. Um, just an electric game, an electric season, an electric team. Um, I think that's when – I don't know. We just really saw our offense take off as well. I mean, that was a great, great example of that. So 
2008, I think I would say, uh, uh -huh. if I had to really pick one. It's an uh, interesting, something that just occurs to me about that. It was sort of a transition in Bob Stoops' tenure from being a defense-dominated team to an offense-dominated team. Yep. And that obviously stuck up until maybe what we'd say we're evolving back into mm -hmm. today. Absolutely. All right, so if you could schedule any home-and-home -home series with three teams, who would you choose? This one's tough as well. I mean, there's there's so many great matchups out there I'd like to see. Um, but I think if I had to narrow it down, and we already have a home-and-home -home schedule with them pretty soon, uh, Michigan is one team. I think just a great classic matchup. Um, and I don't even know when the last time we played Michigan is. I'm not Probably, sure. Probably, I think, maybe 75 in the Orange Bowl. Yeah, so, I mean... Great uniform matchup, too. Great two yeah. Blue Bloods. Um, so I think that'd be one. I think my second one, uh, Penn State. I'd love to see Penn State come into town. I'd love going up to, to Happy Valley. Uh, I've heard, I've talked to some fans who I, whom I work with, and they say it's one of the better experiences just from a pure atmosphere perspective, especially if it was something like a, like a wide-out game um, that we could participate in. So I think that'd be great, a great home-and-home. And, home. and then lastly... I, uh, selfishly, I'd love to schedule something with USC. Um, absolutely would love to have the Trojans on the schedule with Lincoln Riley as the coach uh, just to, you know, hopefully settle differences and uh, put some of those some of those frustrations to bed uh, with, with two, two, straight, two straight wins. So I think that'd be my three with a lot of honorable mentions. Um, teams like Ohio State, uh, I probably didn't put that on the list just because we had a recent home and home, and I've experienced it. Awesome experience. Um, I would put some SEC teams on there, but we're going to have those as well. So I kind of thought in the realm of teams that we might not necessarily play soon, uh, but that I'd like to see come to Norman. When you look, when you think about those type of epic matchups, do you have a preference where you'd like to see them be both? Assuming you could pick, but you wouldn't know, you'd forget, and wouldn't know going in and experiencing it both of them to be blowouts, one to be a blowout, one to be a really close game, both of them close games. How would you choose to experience those? USC, I would love to see two blowouts. I'd love to see two curb stomps and leave it and, and go our separate ways. The other two, I feel like I'd love to blow out Michigan here in Norman, I would, but a close game up in, up in Michigan would in be Army. great. It'd yeah. be so fun. Uh, Penn State, I probably feel similar. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing two close games against Penn State, just yeah. kind of from a. Yeah. That's a great. That's a great frame of mind, though. I mean, how, how do we feel about that? How do we feel about that in general about all games? I guess is is. I know we talked about it on the last pod. I mean, Lucas loves a blowout. Lucas can sit through Indiana State and watch us win eighty six to three, and be mad because we gave up a field goal. Uh, I do think it depends on the team, though. I yeah. Mean, for sure. I think we would. You love a, a great matchup where you pull out the victory yep. in a tight game. You never want that to be against a lesser opponent. You always want the blowout against the lesser. Yeah, opponent. I guess. I guess to to that point as well. I would want. To, I would want to see all three of those teams be at a peak performance at their at their best. I wouldn't want to play a down Penn State or a USC without someone like a, you know, the offensive guys that they have. I, I don't necessarily want to play Caleb Williams. Um, oh, I would like to exercise a demon against him. I'd like to exercise a demon. I, I don't think we're going to get the chance. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I don't, hey, national championship this year, so we'll see. Well, we'll make it, but they um, won't. Yeah, that's a good point. They'll, they'll lose in the Peach Bowl to 
Tulane or something. Well, let's let's stay on the idea of um, games and think about notable games in your history, the best and the worst uh, venues, atmospheres, stadiums, fan experiences in general, and and just kind of elaborate on things that stand out in your mind for all the games that you've been to, or ones that you've watched um, on television. Yeah. What were the big ones? I mean, I mentioned it earlier, and I have to lead off with it. OU Texas Tech 2008. I don't know. I definitely not in Norman. That was the most <clears throat> electric I've ever seen our crowd. I mean, that's the only game I've ever stood up the entire four quarters for 60 minutes, and I don't think very many people sat down that entire game. Um, that is the bar, in my opinion. I know we've said some stuff in the <clears throat> the coaches have said some stuff in the past about some big home games that you know they've mentioned or. Uh, recounted OU Texas Tech and wanting to get that type of atmosphere, that's going to be hard to replicate. Uh, I, and maybe with the SEC coming in, you're going to get some games like that. But just the, not only the game itself, but also <clears throat> what that game meant to OU and basically getting over that hump to put us into the Big 12 title game, uh, that was just so big. So that, that one is at the front of my mind. If I think about away games and similar atmosphere, um, as well as great fan experience, Tennessee, Tennessee in 2015, probably the loudest place I've ever been in my life. And I was sitting at the top of the stadium. I can't imagine what it was like on the field. Um, we've, we've talked about it a lot here, the third down for what song that they were playing and just, I get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps now thinking about it. Do you it. think they piped in crowd noise 100%. through the speaker? I do too. Absolutely. I, I but find it, it hard effective. to believe that people could be that loud. I was sitting right. We were, by, I, I was, was sitting right in front of the scoreboard, though, and the right, right in front of the speakers. Right, yeah. man, it was just—it was crazy. I've talked to Tennessee fans who have said they always have a great atmosphere. I mean, they show up for all the games, but that game, even to their fans, is still like the the loudest they've ever had that stadium. I bet, I bet the Bama game that they had this past season probably compares now to, for some of those folks, but. That was that game that we went to in Tennessee in 2015. That was supposed to put them back on the map. I mean, that was. I mean, I'll and it never, really put us back on the map. It really did. Yeah, I mean, we I were. Mean, it it was a complete. What was that like a 21 versus 23 type? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were both in the top 25, but not in the top 10. Right. Prime but both on the rise. Primetime yeah. ABC game though, and it was. I mean, it lived up to all the hype that that they built up with it. Um, atmosphere was great there. Neyland Stadium, not the best infrastructure stadium I've been to. Old stadium. So uh, if I want to go that route, I mean, we've been to some great Big 12 stadiums. I mean, Baylor, amazing stadium, so Small. much room. Um, what'd you say? Small. Small, but, but new. with that Facility comes wise, some nice good amenities. Uh, Kansas State, always an awesome experience. We've been up there. I've been up there twice. Their stadium equally is as nice, I'd say. Um, Manhattan's a great town. Everyone loves Kansas State fans. I. I don't dislike them. I find them obnoxious, though. I mean, and maybe I just feel that way in general on these away games that we've been to lately just because OU is the – Kansas State, the, the, they do every first down. Is that Kansas State? Yeah, that's yeah. Kansas State. Yeah. And yeah. they've been doing it since the 90s. And it sucks. When, when first downs were a big deal <laughs> yeah. to them. Yeah, so that, that gets exhausting. But great experience still. I think worst, worst experiences I've had – Ohio State, amazing experience overall, especially since we won the game. And there's some people that would disagree. I didn't meet very many fans that were too courteous, though. 
Um, given I probably wasn't the most courteous fan that day, uh, but even the night before when I was perfectly within my sane mind, um, I have a good story that I always tell people about it is where my wife and I go to a restaurant, Ohio State fans everywhere, you know, getting looks because we're wearing our U gear, but nothing really, nobody says anything really. Go the whole dinner, waitress is okay most of the time, um, but comes back before we pay, as she's delivering the check, and looks me dead in the eye, and she, she asked me, you guys are here for the game, right? Like, obviously. She goes, okay, well, I hope you guys know you came up here to get your ass beat. And I'm like, I'm like, start giggling, and she just <laughs> deadpan and walks off. And I was like, holy That's cow. That's something a waitress should say before she gets her tip. Exactly. Oh, well, <laughs> the, the tip reflected. So, um, but we experienced a couple things the night before. Game day wasn't awful. I mean, we went and tailgated with some Ohio State fans. That was not bad. I think what I appreciated about Ohio State is after the after they lost, had multiple fans after the game respectfully say, you know, something like Baker Mayfield is, you know, unstoppable or some stuff like that. So. Uh, Oklahoma State, I haven't had great experience in Stillwater. Some of that my own doing, but some of that just because I just despise that fan base in general. I think they're ignorant, and I think they they show it on game days. Hey, I mean, your dad feel – how's your dad feel about that? Uh, my dad knows my feelings about <laughs> Oklahoma State. So, um, he, he's ignorant is what you're saying. Uh, well, no, apparently not because he's, tra- he's, tra- he's uh, transitioning no. into the, the, the good part of football. We're not talking politics on here. Um, I'm trying to think if, I mean, other notable games. Tell us about the, the Cotton Bowl. Um, oh, going yeah, of course. Different, yeah. different experiences at OU Texas. Oh, man. So I, I've learned from the great, the greats, Steve and his family and, and Mike. Uh, the, my favorite thing, and, and my wife knows you this. You never went to one with Brian. That's never true. went to one with Brian. Uh, wow. But my favorite experience or one of my favorite things at the Cotton Bowl is getting there early, getting out in front of the Texas band and just just releasing so much (laughs) hatred um, towards those little dummies. Um, But that I still think would be a great game to play at Jerry World. However, I will caveat that with there is no other atmosphere, at least that I've experienced, and that seemingly in college football that compares to that. I mean, just the, there is a lot of brewing hate on both sides. Luckily, during most of my fandom, OU's been on the, the, the more fortunate side of that game. But there's also not a lot worse than having to leave the Cotton Bowl after a loss and have to weather that crowd and have to sweat and fight your way out for 45 minutes just to get out of the crowd and the stadium in general um, while wanting to just wanting nothing more than solitude and to go home and lick your wounds because you just got beat by by your biggest rival um, but I think that's what make that makes that game so great and I I love it I love that game I don't know how people don't who, who call themselves huge fans um, and who attend most games can't pencil that in every single every single season. That um, sounds like a shot at me. So uh, we'll get to that later. Um, no, I mean it's it's such an amazing rivalry, and I, I think I'm really really thankful for the fact that we are making the jump to the SEC with Texas. I think it's a, a great move, and uh, the people who want to argue that. And I say people, the OSU fans that want to argue that, you know, Bedlam is as big of a rivalry as OU Texas and that we're, we're losing a, a rival with OSU, like, it's just not correct. Um, 
our rival is going with us to be better in a better conference, and I'm glad that we get to, to stick around that game for, for years to come, it looks like. Well, let's touch on Bedlam then for a second. So what is your optimal future for Bedlam? Never, occasionally, every year? I would take... I wouldn't say never because it, it is a... I'd, it'd be fun to play most Power 5 teams, at least some sometimes. Um, I don't think we ever need to. I would say very, very occasionally. And I'll, I'll echo kind of my sentiments in the last pod. If there's, if there's a, something that has to happen between the presidents that they want nothing more than to make an agreement and make something work, one series a decade or one game a, de- a decade where Oklahoma State has to come to Norman, I would accept that. But there's no need to play them in my opinion. So I would take the occasional game, but if it never happened again, I also would not. There would be no you know, hard feelings on my part. What, in your, in your history of watching and being a fan, let's limit it to that, what would be a loss, or, and, and you can discuss ones that are under consideration, but a loss that you would change if you had the magic touch? So, I think, I'm not going to give my answer first. I'll, I'll say the one that I almost gave, because it was that season, my first big season as being a fan OU Florida like really hurt that national championship was painful and we've talked about it a lot OU fans talk about it a lot DeMarco Murray plays that game I think we win Um, there's a couple other things that didn't go our way in that game and if one or two things go differently we probably do and that one really sucked but if I had to give an answer the the OU Georgia game the Rose Bowl was I mean that hurt so bad and it wasn't a national championship game, but all signs were pointing to us beating that Bama team that eventually wins the national title. And being back in the title game for the, for the first time in so long. Yeah, and that's, that's what's crazy is we haven't been there in so long, right? I mean, we're going on 14 years this year. so um, That is crazy. Yeah, and just that the whole thing where – the pendulum is swinging in OU's direction most of the first half. It swings completely back in Georgia's favor in the second half. Stephen Parker gets the scoop and score. I'll never forget, we're pouring old fashions, not out of celebration, but just saying, man, what a game. Like, yeah, well, celebration, but not, not, not celebrating. Not celebrating victory, right. but celebrating however this goes from here. Yeah. This has been what epic a game. and beautiful. And then to lose the way we lost, yeah, well, just like – Knife to the heart. I've never watched that any part of that game ever again since oh, then. Oh, I've watched it several times. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't. It's it's so it's interesting so how difficult. different people deal with grief. <laughs> yeah. So I, I would take that one back. I think – I don't know if it necessarily changes anything for the later seasons for OU, but just to have – just to be back in the national title game, having a, an iconic matchup of OU-Bama, um, where the last time we had played them, we had smoked them in the Sugar Bowl. So it would – there would have been a lot of good story storylines around that around that game had it happened. So, this is a discussion we've had in the past. Would you rather go into a lesser bowl game than a playoff, knowing that you, and getting the victory? That way, when you go into the off season, you're on a high, or getting the chance to win national championship by making the playoff, but know that you're probably going to lose. Uh, I've got to go with the latter. Um, the playoffs always have to be the goal, where. I know that I've had this maybe sometimes blind optimism. I mean, the game that you I went to. You are a homer. 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> so the, the 2019 LSU game where Joe Burrow was the second closest thing to God that year in terms of just what he was doing and what he was able to do with the football, um, that whole team, I mean, talk about a team of destiny. That team was, but I went into that game like, all right, like we've got a shot here. Like there's one or two things that maybe need to work out a certain way where you look at the line that Vegas put up, probably shouldn't be that optimistic about that <laughs> game. Um, but that all being said, I, I don't know how optimistic you were. You were saying we had a chance. You were saying yeah. we had an underappreciated chance. You weren't saying we're going to win the game. Right, right. I, I would still much rather have that opportunity to win a game like that. because, And I, I go back to that, that Sugar Bowl against Alabama in 2013, uh, after the 2013 season, where we go, we beat Oklahoma State on the road, crazy win um, that probably shouldn't have happened. There was a lot of bad stuff that happened that game. Trevor uh, Trevor Knight gets hurt. Trevor Knight gets hurt. Kendall Thompson comes in. Blake Bell has to come in, win the game for us. Um, all signs pointed to OSU being the team that should have won that game. And then celebrating, 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 well, we get Bama in the Sugar Bowl because we win that game. 17-point dogs, something like that? Huge underdogs, and you, we go and we win that game. That feeling of winning that game, at least as a fan, um, and given we won, that feeling so, so far, and maybe even the risk of losing built into that, it so far outweighs, I mean, the Insight Bowl beating Iowa in you know, the year, two year prior, something like that. So I would always take the chance in the playoff, even if we're the big underdogs that we've been a couple of times, you know, Bama, LSU, at least to have a chance at that game because crazy things do happen. So I don't know how big of a, like losing to Florida State this last year, even if we would have won that game, yeah, we go out on a high, but if we, the fact we lost it, I don't, it didn't, doesn't hurt us as a team very much either. So I don't know. It's a, uh, I'd always want the chance to win a big game like a playoff game. What is your biggest concern for OU now? The move to the SEC. The move to the SEC. The, uh, I, I'm just – there's so much unknown right now with this team coming off a 6-7 and seven season. And I, I do think I, I have a, a very strong confidence we're going to be a much better team. I think we're going to be – I think we're going to be a great team this season. Um, but that, that into consideration, we, we have to show that, and we actually have to be that. And I think you need a, a very solid season to set yourself up for what's coming next year. Um, I think things just start moving a lot faster when we move to the SEC in terms of just I think you do need to, I think you need to set a certain standard of OU football that we're used to and winning, winning football to be able to, to keep up with these teams. Um, we talked about it last week where we all used to kind of scoff at, oh, you know, week in, week out in the SEC, like that narrative. Well, it is going to be week in, out, week in and week out in the SEC, especially that first season when we've got huge targets on our back uh, because we're the new guys. Everyone's going to want to beat us um, because we're OU, right? We are a blue blood program. Um, and it really is going to just going to keep getting stronger. And yeah, and winning is an expectation, not just from OU fans, from a national perspective as well. OU wins football games. So we need to, I, I'm, I guess, not concerned about, I'm just cautious. We need, to be, we need to be winning football 
we need to be winning football games. Um, other concerns, coaching, like poor coaching that we've talked about last season, the, the Jeff Levy stuff that we talked about last season. Um, I'm ready to hopefully put some of that to bed because we're scoring a lot of points and winning games. So outside of that, I think, you know, the administration, I think Brent Venables is the guy for the job um, from a head coach perspective. But uh, I think they're doing everything they can to put OU in a position to, to succeed in the long run as opposed to being this, we keep seeing the Nebraska, the uh, comparison to Nebraska, and I think that's so far off base, so far off base, and it's so uninformed. Um, and it, it's funny to me, Texas fans saying stuff like that when, you know, Texas is going to be the next Texas A&M. So, I mean, we can, it can go both ways. I have one more question, but I want to see if you guys have any questions that occur to you. So how optimistic are you for OU's future? Not just near term, but long term. If I had to put it on a 10 point scale, I'm a seven and a half. Um, That's not very homerish of you. Eh, maybe it is. <laughs> 75% optimistic, 25% worried. And that's just because we're coming off a really bitter six and seven season. And again, if I look back and I spend enough time in my own thought about all those games that we should have won last year and could have been a nine and three team, that 7.5 probably goes up to, to 8.5. I'm very, I think we're doing all the right things with recruiting. Um, I think we're stepping up in the NIL scene. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic from a long-term perspective with, with where we're headed. And I think the move to the SEC, where college football is going, I think OU is willing to change with that to make sure that they stay at the front of the pack and not drift into this middle, you know, oh, we're going to Norman type of mentality for teams. Um, I think we're going to be a destination for coaching and for players. Um, and I expect that to be the case for, for a long time. So this will be a difficult comparison to make, but, and I know I said one last question, but this is a, an offshoot of that question. Frame how your optimism is today versus how it was in 2016, 2017, as the Lincoln-Riley era began, not how you felt then, but how you think you reasonably could have felt about it with a little bit of hindsight. And I don't mean knowing that he's going to leave. That's not predetermined, let's assume. But based on where we were positioned then at the, at the uh, departure of Bob Stoops and the Lincoln-Riley era beginning, are you more or less optimistic today than you had a right to be back then? I think when Lincoln Riley stepped in, I'd probably say I was more optimistic then. I, I, I mean, the way that Bob... And had a right to be more optimistic. Yeah, the not way, just, exactly. The way that Bob passed the reins and the team that he left Lincoln with, um, the players that he left Lincoln with, with Baker and, and those guys for 17, it obviously lends to the success that Lincoln did have that season. Um, you shift gears... And maybe my, my real transition from optimistic to, oh, shit, I don't know if this is it, was after 2018, after Kyler leaves, we have no sign of a defense at all. Um, and then, you know, that hasn't changed. really. That really hasn't changed at all. 
Um, we had signs of a defense last year, but the defense didn't show up. So I guess if I, if you'd ask me the long-term question after the 2018 season, I'm a lot more nervous because I don't feel like there's a direction to the program from a coaching perspective. Um, so it was it was there to be had, but lost yeah. for a while. And and Lincoln went into that shell where he was so mysterious about everything, and there was no transparency between the football team that we support and the fans who were supporting it to understand, like there was no connection there, right? Like I think despite the season that he had, the fact that Brent Venables made that his number one priority when he came in was to reconnect the fans and the team and, you know, kind of set that cornerstone of, I owe you football is nothing without the fans that they have. And I think that's why Venables probably has so much support still and has my optimism, has my homerism still, is Venables has a vision for where he's going. And I think he's been explicit about that. Lincoln Riley, his vision was, hey, you guys are going to see these five-star recruits roll in at wide receiver and at quarterback and running back. Be happy with that because that's all, that's all he's really about, in my opinion. Um, I think Venables has set the stage across the board not only just from a, a personnel perspective, but from what he's doing off the field and everything like that. Like, there's just a lot more of a, a confidence there that I have with this staff, despite six and seven, than I had after the 2018 season when, again, not a lot of direction. And then I, I can't imagine what our conversations would have been in the offseason last year if Lincoln, Lincoln wouldn't have left. Hmm. And, like, I know after that Oklahoma State game that we lost – the day before Lincoln leaves, I'm just like, I don't know what this team is. I don't know what they are. Um, and we said that all that season. I think we know what this team is for, for Venables. Um, and I think it's heading in a, a really good direction. All right. Well, that's, that's excellent. Now the audience knows Connor. Hey, thank you guys. Boomer Sooner. Uh, hey, homers for life, right? So. Homers for life. That's right. All right. Well, until next time, Boomer. Sooner. Sooner.